The Lilly Endowment gave $5.5 million to Gleaners Food Bank because they sell drugs. Of course, they do it legally. The Lilly family runs a pharmaceutical company that has been very successful. Give people quick fixes for their pain and get paid big bucks. Now, we're not going to focus on the negatives of the pharmaceutical industry today, but the positives of the Lilly family. The $32 billion endowment funds grants to various charities and education programs that accelerate impact by empowering others to go out and do the hard work of bearing burdens together. Figure out a pain point you can solve and get in the impact game while the momentum is hot. Now, you might be asking, how did they make their fortune? You're telling me to get in the game, you're telling me to strike while the momentum of impact is hot, but how did the Lilly family do it? Again, they're a pharmaceutical company and they started by referencing Alex Hormozzi's value equation. Obviously, it wasn't around when this company was started. I think it was started in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And one of the first things they did was decrease the effort and sacrifice that was around taking drugs. They did a lot of research on these gelatin-coated pills, and while everybody had pills that were hard to swallow, they made it easier for their clients to swallow the pills. They improved customer satisfaction by working on the customer experience, and this led to a fortune. Not only did they do these gelatin-coated pills, but they were constantly improving their product. They poured money into research and development and were consistently thinking of ways to get people to their ideal outcome. Again, when you give people a quick fix for their pain, they'll pay big money for that relief. In the pharmaceutical industry, there are plenty of drugs you can get to give people a temporary quick relief and unfortunately get them hooked on the drug sometimes, but I'm sure that wasn't their intent when they started. Maybe it was, I don't know, I'm not here to talk about that. What I am here to talk about is by decreasing the effort and sacrifice it took to take these drugs by coating them with gelatin and then researching how can I format a drug to help people with depression, with anxiety, with PTSD, staying ahead of the curve with how medicine can help? That's what really put the Lilly family ahead, pouring into that research and development, thinking of ways to get people to their ideal outcome. So we've talked about how they decreased effort and sacrifice, and we talked about how they were constantly researching how to get people to that ideal outcome. And as they stayed around, obviously, you get the word of mouth of, hey, these drugs work for me. That increases that perceived likelihood of achievement. And then the time delay, drugs are instantaneous. They take like 30 minutes, 60 minutes to kick in. How long does it take you to deal with your depression, your anxiety, your, I don't think they did supplements, but weight loss. Like all of these things take a really long time and these drugs compressed it to 60 minutes. And so drugs really hit the value equation well. And unfortunately, they're not the best thing for you, in my opinion, but... The Lilly family made a fortune running this pharmaceutical company, and they've helped a lot of people doing it through their endowment. Giving to charities and having that $32 billion endowment that's generating cash flow solely dedicated to accelerating how others can impact people. So, in addition to that kind of focusing on the ideal outcome and focusing on effort and sacrifice, they spread the news about their pharmaceutical company through educating healthcare workers. They essentially built an affiliate system for themselves in the healthcare industry. And they're like, hey, you guys are professionals, you have this business, you have these clients, you're doing all this stuff, but I have a solution that will help your clients and it'll kind of help your hospital um, serve better, right? And doctors, you know, have an oath to serve and to heal and 
all that stuff. And so when the drugs cause certain things to be solved and Big Pharma or the Lilly family is pushing those things and these healthcare workers are just now getting educated about it, they start to push it to their clients. And unfortunately, it hasn't always voted well for everybody, but the Lilly family and their pharmaceutical company did a great job of building out those affiliates for their company. And it started with the healthcare workers who are in front of the clients they really wanted to reach. And so now the question is, how can you mimic this? You're probably not gonna go start a pharmaceutical company. You're probably not gonna be big pharma, but you can take some of the principles and start to apply it to your life. The first thing I can think of is to pick a common problem that you have experience with or feel that you can help with. I think the Lilly family had some sort of backdrop in uh, the kind of pharmaceutical company. I don't know why they picked drugs, but they did. I think it was kind of a booming industry. It was all the rage. The new science was picking up and an entrepreneur of their family took the risk, took the leap. But for me, I pick sober living and I don't have experience with sober living, but I feel I can help with sober living because of all the self-improvement work I've done. And not only that, but I love building community and I love helping people with that self-improvement work. So I've done the work of self-improvement. Sober living has an aspect of uh, self-improvement to it and then definitely an aspect of community. And I love building community and I can help people with their mindset, with their identity, and with their wealth, which two years ago, three years ago, I wouldn't have known the things to really make something tick, but now I'd say I'm a little bit further along. I'm not quite where I want to be yet, but I can help people who are just starting out. If at all, it's like putting them to the right resources and helping them build the right character traits and holding them accountable to action. Like I'm good at those things and I'm excited about it. And I do have a little bit of experience with it when it comes to my mom and my little brother and my grandpa was an alcoholic. And so I have some of that in the family. They didn't do sober living per se, but they did struggle with some addictions. And I was, I grew up being told that I have an addictive personality. And so sober living resonates really well with me because I always wanted to go to the people who were uh, most neglected in society. And this is a step towards that. I would say those who can afford sober living, they don't necessarily have um, they're not the most neglected in society, but they are a step um, closer to those who are kind of neglected or thought less of or, um, yeah, and I want to help those people just grow and realize that they're loved and I love them and I do that because I know how much I'm loved, but I'm not going to get into all that right now. <clears throat> it's really just a vision I've had of helping people reintegrate back into society and get their identity straight and really live a life that they're proud of. And so that's the common problem I picked. And I think you start with what does your heart resonate with? Who does your heart break for? Who do you want to serve? And then how can you actually serve them? Because then that leads you to dec decreasing the effort and sacrifice for the solution. When you figure out how you can actually serve them, you can do that by A, looking at how they're being served currently, or B, asking them and when you do one of those two things and you kind of see where you can fit into that decrease the effort and sacrifice it takes to get them to their solution make it easier to consume coat the drugs in gelatin so they're easier to swallow the question i'm asking is how can i help people change their identity day one and thinking about atomic habits when i teach people about the concepts of that book of like your identity is 
less about who you are intrinsically and more about how you perceive yourself based on the evidence you've stacked up over time. And so every day when you make a decision to work out, you're, making, you're stacking evidence for the claim that you are a person who works out. Right now you believe you are a person who X and you want to believe I am a person who Y. Well, you have a lot of evidence built up for I am a person who X. You need a lot of evidence built up for I am a person who Y. And so by helping them develop the habits to start stacking that evidence and then bringing attention to that evidence and celebrating them for growing that pot of evidence, I think I can help people change their identity and they'll realize it's a shift. Like you are now this person and you just have to stack the evidence for it. And these are the things you have to do. This is how your day needs to look for you to stack that evidence. And after 10 days, 20 days, 90 days, 180 days, after 500 days, 1,000 days, 2,000 days, you're gonna look at yourself and you'll be like, I am a different person now. I am no longer a person who X, but I'm now a person who Y. And so when I can help people commit to that decision and then have the infrastructure around them to help them do that, I think that's kind of where I can decrease effort and sacrifice when it comes to sober living. Real, helping them realize they don't have to beat themselves up, they don't have to feel ashamed, and they have people around them who love and support them, and we're here after they leave the sober living community. And when they get all of that knowledge day one, I think it'll make them feel a little bit better about their journey. That's just me. I'll get customer feedback as I implement it when I get these sober living homes. But um, yeah, I think that identity shift and that community building is key. And when you know that people have your back and you know that the choice is yours, it's an empowering thing. The other thing I think about um, when it comes to sober living is how can I help them hit that ideal outcome? And that's what the Lily family did, right? They gave people drugs and they helped them feel a certain way. I want people to be sober forever. I don't want them to relapse, right? So how can I help them hit that ideal outcome? What can I do with the community? What accountability can I provide? What resources and knowledge can I provide? What protocols can I implement post-sober living property, uh, sober living experience to keep them in a kind of state of being sober in a mindset and an identity shift of being sober? What are the things I can do for that? And so you just have to look at kind of human behavior and what kind of st stimulus and response traits are kind of foundation they already have and how you can eradicate that foundation and build a new one or build on that foundation to kind of create something new. But you have to think hard about how you hit that ideal outcome and you have to ask yourself, what are the things that somebody needs to do in order to hit ideal outcome and how can I make that easier? And so if I have done for you business stuff, so you never have to worry about your financial freedom again, you kind of come in, do some community investing, invest in a business, I operate the business and you get profit and we build that up such that you never have to worry about your financial situation again, that's a stressor taken off. That's some uncertainty taken off and some people might be doing drugs or alcohol to cope with stress or uncertainty. So if I can relieve some of that stress by introducing them to community investing and operating businesses, that's one way I can do it. If there can be weekly accountability after you leave the sober living home with other people in the community who have been through it, that's another way I can help them stay sober forever. 
if I could kind of launch a buddy system where it's like, hey, get with people who have been through this sober living home and who are trying to do big things, who are trying to impact people and go live with them after the sober living experience. It's another way I can help launch them into society. If I have events that bring them back, it's another way I can help launch them into society. If I help plant them in a community of people plus the buddy system. So I use the buddy system to pair people up who, are, who have been through my sober living properties and then I put them into a community of people that I work with consistently to kind of keep tabs on everybody and they hold them accountable to the weekly calls and getting them a job and helping them focus on impact and fill their days with recreational activities that are fun with sober people. Like these are all ways I can help them achieve the ideal outcome and it makes my service infinitely more valuable. So you think about what do people need to hit their ideal outcome and how can I provide that as quickly as possible, as much as possible, for as long as possible. So, that's the ideal outcome. And then partner with others. You, you saw it with the Lily family, they were using affiliates. Um, and their affiliates were healthcare officials. Those ha healthcare officials were right in front of the customers they needed. So partner with people who serve your market to spread the word. And so my question is, how can I work with rehab centers and other sober living homes to really scale and make this work? And really the rehab centers have the tenants and so I need to be a trustworthy brand. I need to show people that I'm serious about keeping people sober forever and I need to build relationships with those rehab centers and with those people who are placing potential tenants into sober living homes. Then also, for sake of scale, I have to acquire a property to run a sober living home. But if I come with my uh, kind of turnkey or done for you sober living offer that helps people 2x, 3x their revenue and 2x or 3x their profit to their bottom line just for putting my operating system in their sober living home and I take a percentage of the revenue and help them get tenants, help them keep tenants, and then help those tenants stay sober forever with all the post sober living home experience stuff that I have set up, you know, the community the buddy system, the business investing, the community investing, the skill acquisition, the job placement. Like if I package all that and give it to other sober living homes that are currently functioning and just take 15, 20% of top line revenue from my business, now I'm just operating and I can scale pretty quickly. I can get to 50, 100, 150 sober living homes where I'm getting 2000 per home fairly quickly. And that's how you start to scale. You need to leverage people leverage what they have, leverage their homes, and then eventually maybe I buy the properties from people so I can scale my assets as well. So partner with others who serve your market to spread the word, and this is how you can start to mimic what the Lily family did. Pick a common problem that people have. They pick drugs, I pick sober living. Kinda similar actually, they're both in the, well, on different sides of recovery. Like I'm trying to help people recover from something they're addicted to, and they're giving people stuff that is potentially addictive. And um, yeah, after you pick a common problem, help them solve that problem by really thinking about how you can help them hit that ideal outcome and decrease that effort and sacrifice and then partner with people who can spread the word. That's what we got for you guys today on the show. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you on the next one. And remember, we are a community of people. Judge not by our wealth, but by our impact.